Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is Pastor Stephen here with Doctrine Matters Podcast. And tonight on this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. I had a conversation with another pastor, Pastor T.J. Francis, pastor of Sovereign Grace Church in White House, Tennessee. We had a conversation today over Zoom as we were social distancing. Now, T.J. is a uh, mentor of mine. We served together at a church in Middle Tennessee uh, back several years ago, and uh, we stay in touch and uh, constantly in touch and talking about the church and the things that the church uh, finds themselves getting into. And one of the things that we have found ourselves getting into over the past several weeks, and many of you are the same way in your churches, is we have found ourselves now going online and doing virtual church. So Pastor TJ and I had a conversation today over Zoom and uh, we simply asked the question, can the virtual gathering replace the physical gathering of the church? Now, we had uh, some good time to go back and forth on this, and uh, that's what I want to leave you with here on this episode of the Doctrine Matters podcast. Again, this is me having a conversation with Pastor T.J. Francis from White House, Tennessee. So I hope you enjoy it. Peter. Okay, Stephen, we are recording. Uh, this is Pastor T.J. Francis, and I'm here this morning with uh, Pastor Stephen Dew. Stephen, how you holding up? I'm holding up. I, yeah. I don't know how well right now, but <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we're going on at least four or five weeks of this quarantine thing. You know, I, I told my kids this morning, I said, look, you know, you all got to get used to this. This is uh, it's going to be, you know, a few more weeks, maybe four to six weeks, maybe eight weeks. I don't know. So it doesn't seem to bother them, but uh, how's your kids doing? Oh, they're holding up really well. They, uh, they have their PlayStation. They've got their basketball goal. Yes. And, and they've got a little, well, Caroline, my youngest, she's got a little princess bouncy castle outside. So the boys have figured out ways to jump on that with her as well, whether it's jumping over the side or, or however. So it's usually, they're usually finding something to get into. So they're holding up really well. Looks like you got your library behind you there. You working out of the house? I am. Uh, once they started saying everybody work from home, so I kind of integrated the library, a small portion of the library, books I use and look at the most here at the house. I still got a ton back at my office at the church. So trying to do what I can from here. Excellent. Yeah, I had to move some stuff up here upstairs because uh, I had a little office downstairs. But when Caden moved back home, when uh, when the university shut down, she just took over down there. So uh, I'm, I'm, it's a very humble setting here, I promise you, yeah. to say the least. Well, Stephen, let's jump in uh, to our conversation for the day, because what we want to do is we want to be an encouragement to other pastors. And a lot of pastors right now are struggling with virtual church, which is really replacing the gathering of the church. I think there's some theological issues we need to get into, some practical issues. But really the topic is the fact that virtual church cannot replace the gathering long-term. I think all pastors would agree with that. 
However, coming out of this, we need to recognize that virtual church was really, in some respects, a solution in the midst of this crisis and certainly a tool that could be used, but definitely not a long-term strategy or replacement. So to do that, Stephen, why don't you share a little bit about what you guys are doing virtually right now to help us kind of understand what that looks like for a local church. Yeah, right now we're, we're kind of doing a lot of what most other churches are doing. And it's not, I'll be honest with you, it was okay for the first week or two, but it's to the point now where I'm, I'm, I'm about tired of it personally, but yeah. uh, what we're doing on Wednesday evenings is we're just doing a meeting like this. We're doing a zoom meeting. And this has been a good time for us to utilize different men in our congregation that have the ability to teach. So uh, I, I kicked it off the first week of teaching and then I've, uh, we've been able, we're going through the book of Proverbs on Wednesday evening. So I was able to give different men different chapters of Proverbs. So uh, we've been able to take this time because we know we have men that love to teach and, and, are, and, and can and uh, so that's been a good part about this is being able to let these guys do a little more teaching than they have been in the past. But the Zoom meeting, it's good to see each other's faces. It's good to to be able to have Bible study and, and sort of a gathering, you know, being able to see each other and talk to each other. But it's, it's definitely not ideal. Uh, but we're doing that on Wednesday evenings. And then on Sunday mornings, me and a couple other guys, we're, we're going to the, the building in which we worship and uh, a couple of us are leading worship through music and then I come up and do a sermon and I'm not doing it from the pulpit uh, like normal so we've kind of pulled it back closer to the soundboard and where our camera is so you put a table out just to kind of make it uh, more kind of an in-home feel I guess for for now and uh, that's great it's working out well we've got We've got a tremendous group of people at our church that uh, not all of them can log on on Wednesday evenings, but we've got a lot of people that log on Wednesday evenings. But we have a ton of people that are logging on and, and watching the sermon live on Sunday mornings. And with that, we've had several people that not many of us know who they are. They're logging on, they're commenting, they're you know excited about what they're hearing. So uh, hopefully for us, this will translate into more people showing up when we do gather again, because uh, for the most part, our people are, they're kind of in the same boat I am, is we, we're, we're tired of virtual church, because we know that this is not how God has designed his church to gather, uh, but it is a blessing to be able to do it this way. That's a good balance, Stephen. I appreciate that perspective. It's, you keep an intention on the one hand, this is not certainly how God created us uh, to interact with each other. And on the other hand, you're recognizing this, this gift that he's given us during what is rather difficult season so that we can. I mean, even you and I right now, Arkansas, Tennessee, yet we're interacting live right now. Certainly we call each other on the phone, but I think there's something uh, that is, is inherently good about being able to see a brother, you know, to be able to right. see your brother face to face. Uh, we even see uh, John in one of his letters talking about how he wanted to when he came and would fellowship with him face to face. So something very beautiful about that. You know, I, I here's one of my frustrations, Stephen. We're doing some of the same things that you are. Here's one of my frustrations. I think in that what's lacking in the conversation, something you alluded to, was God's design. Uh, God's design for the church and God's design for us as as creatures, 
as the Imago Dei. Now, certainly we know that God lives in perfect community, that is one God, three persons, perfect harmony, perfect unity, perfect fellowship amongst the three persons of the Trinity. And we were designed in God's image, and we can go all the way back to Genesis and see that God says it's not good for man to be alone. So we see the first community, the primary community relationships with spouses, then be fruitful, multiply with children. And then obviously as you expand out into communities, as you go out, the church being the new community in Christ. And so I, I, you mentioned some frustration there. Let's jump in and talk about God's design. And particularly, let's start with the frustration and work our way back. Because I think the frustration, it really is kind of revealing, even probably for the unbeliever right now, this is an opportunity for us to say to them, look, God designed you to live in community. Your frustration is that you aren't living out that commission. So let's start back and work back towards that. Start with your frustration, and let's work back to the theological foundation of that. Well, my frustration uh, is the physical interaction with the body of Christ. Yes. And to be able to, I think sometimes we take for granted things that we uh, see on a weekly basis, things that we do on a weekly basis, like standing at the front door and welcoming someone when they walk in. And I usually like to do that personally. I like to just stand around and, inter, you know, interact with people and, and say good morning. And, and uh, you just don't realize how much you enjoy that until it's gone. Right. So our biggest frustration and my biggest frustration is that lack of physical interaction, you know, fist, whether it be a fist bump, a hug, shaking hands and just seeing somebody smile, man. And then to, to go along with that, one of my biggest frustrations right now is when we go to the when we go to the building on Sunday mornings and and our, our music music guy, he's singing right and and we know that everybody's sitting behind their computer screen or their tv and they're watching him sing what i hear is just him singing to a big empty room now my biggest frustration is that physical gathering but when you hear the saints singing doctrinally rich music i mean it's it, it's just filling the room up and a lot of times our people are singing over our instruments and it is a beautiful thing to hear. Like when you're singing, come behold the wondrous mystery and yes. you hear 120, 150 church members just belting that out. It's like, wow, you know, you hear that. And I can't stand not being able to hear that right now. You know, it's just, uh, that goes along with that physical interaction. That Let me tap have. into that point, Stephen, real quick, because I, I think right there is another, if you will, uh, illustration of the way we were designed to live in community, particularly the new community, uh, the new community expressing with one voice, one confession. We think about the this idea of worship, collective worship, corporate worship. Uh, there's certainly a misnomer today that we're to create worship experiences for individuals to individually express themselves, and then we wonder why everyone's theology is running amok or running into error or potentially heresy. Well, we're basically telling everyone, just come and confess your own ideas, your own beliefs. And I'm hearing you say that as the community expresses their beliefs as one voice, singing doctrinally rich songs, making a confession of faith together, that part of that is standing shoulder to shoulder, hearing, I believe these things too, and we cannot get that virtually. Is that what I'm hearing right. you say? Uh, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. And 
like I said, virtual church, if that's what we, since that's the language we want to use, it is a, uh, we can use it for God's glory, obviously, yes. but it's never going to replace the physical gathering of the body that God intended us to be gathered as. And so, yeah, absolutely. Being able to hear what people are confessing through song. And another part of that is, you know, hearing Bibles open, you know, just people flipping pages, you know, watching them get their Bibles open and get ready and interacting, you, you know, amen, or that's right. Or you can just see people leaning in, listening, and you can't do that with virtual church. It's super awkward. I'm having a hard time with it. I, I was telling our guys the other day, I said, man, I, I really feel like I could preach to a room of 10,000 people and not be bothered, you know, but you put me in front of this camera with nobody and mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm starting to like, Oh man, you know, <laughs> you and I have talked about this before. Yes. Um, you, you, you gave me some advice is when you're preaching, let something, let something just hit and just wait for a couple of seconds. Just let there be silence. Yes. You know, it'll be awkward on my part at first, but it's, that silence that's letting things sink in, letting points sink in. Well, I found myself doing this to a camera and, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, there's silence, almost like dead air. Right. And <laughs> yeah, I find myself intimidating. Yeah. So yeah, there's just a whole, a whole lot of things that go into this virtual church and the standing confessing what we believe is a major part of it. And just to hear we do a thing, we do a catechism every Sunday. So we'll, we'll have, whoever's leading our liturgy that day will come up and ask the question. And then our congregation will corporately repeat the answer, mm. you know, and, and just to hear, you know, like uh, what is man's chief end? Like man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But to hear our people say that collectively is just, yeah. that's even a part I miss is to hear our, I mean, there's no fear or shame in, in our people. They just belt that answer right out, you know? So, yeah, a lot of those. When you're saying these things. I'm reminded, Stephen, that the 2,000 years of the church's history has really been filled with persecution. Even now, churches in various pockets in the world being persecuted. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that the church in America right now is facing persecution per se in this pandemic. Uh, but it reminds me, you mentioned hearing someone open a Bible up. You know, that certainly is a beautiful thing. Someone bringing their Bible to church, opening it up, having it with them. I understand it's available electronically, but, but really uh, the evidence shows, and there's research that shows that people who are using the Bible on the phone really aren't tracking. They're probably checking emails and other things. Just have a Bible. I think it communicates doctrinal truth. Uh, you're communicating to your children sound theological truth. That is, I believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, I have it with me. Uh, you're talking about mutual confessions of faith. We believe that we are created for God's glory. In hearing people say those things, when you think about the persecuted church, the reason the church has survived immense persecution, certainly it's a given that it survived because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, because Christ is sovereign, ruling, reigning. That's a given here in this conversation. But when you think about practically speaking, how wise the Lord was to design the church in a particular way to fit with his design of humanity, that we would be encouraged knowing I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. There's a, there's, there's a man, there's a family, there's a woman, there's some kids, there's, there's some senior adults, there's, there's people all around me, different ages, different walks of life, different generations, sometimes different nationalities, different backgrounds. They're saying, I believe this too. They're saying, 
I hold fast to these things. I value this. I appreciate this. And listen, I'm, I'm not knocking virtual church. I'm saying it's a temporary solution in this problem, but it cannot replace that. You see what I'm saying with that? I, I think that's what I get here. I'm hearing you say, but I also want to connect it to church history that the church has thrived because people come from the community, the larger community, into this new community saying, you are not alone. But right now we feel alone. Right. Yeah. And, you know, talking through that is being in community. There's obviously all types of people in this world. There are people that are going to hug you no matter what. There's people <laughs> that are good. There's people that are just be like, all right, just like a keep your six foot. Let's let's fist bump. Yeah. Now, it's interesting through all this there. We have a, a, a lady in our congregation that uh, just is one of those type, you know, I'm not a huggy person. I'd rather just, you know, Hey, you know, maybe a fist bump, but she said, she put out on our little group me, we kind of communicate all as a church family through group me a lot of times. And she said, I can't wait to get back together. She said, I'm not a huggy person, but I'm ready to hug every single yeah. one of y'all. <laughs> so oh, I mean, that's going to be an interesting people, first Sunday back. Yeah. First Sunday back, especially coming out of this, you're not going to know whether to hug somebody, stay yeah. six feet back or, but I mean, even in that, you know, you've got folks that are so different personality wise that are ready to just throw their arms around people because they miss gathering together because they like we're talking about is like, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. This is not how church is supposed to be. And it's a really kind of a frustration for me. You talked about our frustrations and, and I may be putting the cart ahead of the horse, but uh, I've noticed a lot of churches leading up to this pandemic, they would say, uh, welcome to, you know, the main campus and this campus and this campus and our online campus. And I'm thinking online campus. You know, I get people not being able to go to church or gather physically for different reasons, whether they're sick, whether uh, they had to work or something's going on. But a lot of churches have specifically carved out a section of online church, much like we're doing it now. So we've almost stepped into their space. Yeah. And to me, it's a space that any church should not even have. I mean, if you want to have a ministry to where you can say, okay, you were sick, you were working here's our feed from this morning or here's our video, but a virtual church as overall church. I don't think that the Bible teaches us to do it that way. Obviously 2000 years of church history, they didn't have internet and webcams yeah, and microphones and zoom meetings. But uh, in that, I mean, just looking at the Bible, I, I don't see a, a carved out space specifically for, okay, you don't want to come to church just stay on your couch. You know, so I, I, I think so kinda, what we would agree on it probably there, Stephen, is if, if it's a tool versus a tool. A yes. Campus, I think if, if you're presenting it as a as a substitute, that is, uh, you don't want to come. And so we're offering this as a as a substitute. I, I would agree with you. I think that you we're, we're, we've come into a space there that is, uh, frankly, I, I just don't feel like it's appropriate because it's giving a it's it's presenting an ecclesiology that yeah. I don't think lines up with scripture. But if we were to say it's a tool to engage, that is evangelize, and then to your point, to encourage, equip. That, for example, yeah. you, you may have some of the saints who they work on Sunday morning or, or something. So I think we'd agree definitely there. But I, I, I do feel like uh, we, we have to be cautious on the one hand not to drop, jump into a space that really undermines the church. And at the same time, balance it with understanding this is a great tool, 
to reach people right now. Let's do this. Let's take that and let's take that as a segue into what we're doing right now and what other churches have been doing through, through virtual interaction. And let's talk about what's this look like to the unbelieving community right now. I think that's a, a, a great point. We need to have that conversation as pastors. We need to have that as an ongoing conversation because I've got a real concern right now with the branding. And, and certainly most of us remember, at least, at least our age or, or older, Stephen, remember public access, cable TV, public access, uh, television, you know, local stuff, you know, local city hall meetings on there. And pretty much anybody who uh, could, could record themselves could drop off an old VHS tape. I'm, a, I'm dating myself now. VHS tape to public <laughs> access. <laughs> you get your, get your hour. Uh, there's all kinds of wild stuff on there. And you kind of just chalked it up. It was either going to be government or like some kind of crazies. And so now yeah. basically the internet is public access. I'm concerned that in an attempt to put everything out there right now, we actually, in some respects, we're doing good because we're ministering to the saints. We are evangelizing unbelievers. But let's talk about thinking through what does this look like to unbelievers? I sent you a video the other day, a church we will not name. These are our brothers in Christ. We want to encourage and support them. Where someone was just really putting out something that I think would be really anti-evangelistic, anti-encouraging. And it's actually, I thought, sent a message saying, don't come here when we open the doors back up. Let's talk a little bit about that branding because I, I wonder, here's the question that I would pose to you and to any other pastor who's doing virtual ministry right now. If, if your community through a barbecue, now depending on what state you're in, all of you may go to jail. <laughs> if, if you all threw a block party, your neighbors, all your unbelieving neighbors threw a block party at the, at the end of the cul-de-sac, and there's 50 of them there, and they say, hey, Stephen, you're the pastor. Hey, stand up and give us a message. We want to hear something. I think when we get on the virtual ministry, the virtual outlets, we need to remind ourselves that the neighbors may be inviting us into the home, and we need to think about that. Walk, walk me through some of that as we're trying to just understand that, because I really feel like some pastors aren't thinking through this strategically right now about, wait a minute, my neighbors are letting me in their home. I am speaking to them. What's this look like? Yeah. Oh. I've got so many ways I could go with this. Uh, <laughs> just, re just remember, we're being recorded, so that, yeah. <laughs> that ought to help you think through how we're going. So a couple different things that I've seen that I really wish pastors and churches would have thought through. One is the aesthetics of it. Yes. Right? Because... I've seen some guys that are that have their phones way down here and you're looking from here up at them while they're trying to preach. And I'm like, <laughs> that is kind of awkward, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm thinking, man, if anybody turns that on, they're pretty much either going to turn it right back off or they're going to laugh at that person. You know, I wouldn't want them to laugh at them obviously, no. but I'm thinking yeah. we need to try to think about at least doing what we do with excellence Yes. Now we're not going to do anything with excellence at, you know, at all times, but we need to have that in mind that we're, that whatever we do, we're trying to do our best and be excellent because we're doing this. This is ultimately boiling down in my opinion to basically 
hand in hand art. There's art that goes along with it because we're, we're, we're now having to create something that is not going to be like a looking at two double chins or looking up somebody's nose hairs, but we want to make sure that people can see us, hear us. And at the same time, the other side of that is when it comes to the art side of it, we don't want to get so far out there that we're losing people with gimmicky things that they're trying is you, you, you mentioned a video that we both watched and some of these things that were going on in that video, I was like, no, this is not like, I didn't hear the gospel because of everything else going on around it. That's a great point. And in, in, in the goal, I mean, these are our brothers in Christ. It's really encourage them. Go preach the gospel. Use this. Absolutely. Video. I'm hearing you say these things are a distraction. They're getting in the way. And, and I, I fear that, that if we're not thinking through this strategically, then, then we're going to miss some great opportunities because there are, there are opportunities right now to evangelize our neighbors and our community. And if I was invited at the end of my cul-de-sac to speak to my neighbors, I'm going to think through it like, a, like an evangelist, like a, like a missionary versus uh, trying to be gimmicky or trying to be right. cool. Because I need to tell you, maybe I want to say this. I think it's important to say is pastors, generally speaking, aren't cool. And when we try to be, it doesn't go off well. It doesn't come off well. It, we, are, we are bearers of truth. We're not trying to be cool. I fear that's a thing. And I, and I agree with you, too. It, certainly, excellence is relative. I get that. But at the same time, I mean, it's costing another $30 to buy a tripod for your iPhone, you know, to, to be able to put it up and to look. Uh, you know, your local association, your, your convention, I'm certainly they've got resources you can tap into. I agree with you on that point. Let's talk about the message, though, Stephen, too. That, beyond the aesthetics, let's talk about the message, because certainly we preach in church, if you will, the gathering of the church. We, we preach a certain way. We all have our certain styles or certain expectations, culturally speaking. Uh, there's certainly expectations, doctrinally speaking. We preach the Bible, text-driven sermons. Uh, and then, you know, people have a certain style. You mentioned your people saying amen. Uh, I don't know. I, I may pass out if my folks said amen. I would, I would like it. That's just not, the, that's not, that's not who they are. And so, uh, but let's talk about the message right now, because I wonder, not that we alter the message. We never would do that. Could never. But the way we communicate the message, for, for example, a preaching style is it, is it going to be altered? Is it modified? What's that look like as we recognize that unbelievers, many unchurched, never been exposed to church, are now listening for the first time? Talk to me about that as, as we try to think through that issue. So what I think about that is, obviously, depending on how, how churches do things, obviously a lot of pastors are not in their normal pulpits. Like, for instance, for us, we, we pulled out halfway and we're using a table right now. So that's going to alter my preaching style just a bit, right? Because not only am I looking at a camera, I don't have the, the my normal setup in front of me. Uh, so my preaching style is naturally going to change a bit, but I, I don't want it to. Yeah. So I, I think that during this time, and, and you and I may agree, disagree, but I think the people need to see on camera as close as they would see you if they showed up. You know what I mean? I like, I have a small little, you know, when I came to your church and you said, 
when y'all started video and you've got about a foot or so this way and a foot or so this way. By the way, can... we've opened the pocket up now. You got about six feet. So we oh, okay. have more room. But ever since I came there, my preaching style changed to where when I would normally maybe walk a little bit further, I stay closer to the pulpit now. I may come on one side and, and we've got a little platform built to where if I walk too far, I'm falling off this thing. Yeah. But, um, but I don't walk as much. I can't move as much preaching on the camera, but still I want to kind of use the same manner mannerisms. And the, uh, I, I talk with my hands a lot, as you can tell. So uh, I don't want to stand up there and just, Hey guys, welcome to church this morning, you know, and just be like stiff and weird, try to be as loose and normal as possible. But when it comes to the message, here's, here's a couple of thoughts I have for us. We've, we've just, we're just keeping on going through the preaching schedule. Okay. Right? I mean, Nothing is changing. I know a lot of churches, and and this is a point where uh, I know some guys would disagree with me, but I've seen week after week after week after week too much time spent on the pandemic okay. and the virus itself and less time spent on the glory of God and Holy Scripture. And And I know that talking about it right now, a lot of people are fearful, but the only remedy if you will for that fear is christ and his word right because if, if we just keep talking about it and keep talking about it the media is going to fuel the fire it's going to fuel this fear and 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 frustration and if we just keep talking the virus this the virus this, you know pandemic this pandemic this well who is the lord over this pandemic that's what our people need to be hearing more than about the pandemic itself so for us we've taken the approach is Man, we're not going to spend time talking. We, we may throw a, a sentence or two in there as it relates to what we're talking about. Like, obviously, when you talk about the sovereignty of God and the providential hand of God, I mean, obviously, he is sovereign over the this virus. He is providentially working through and in this virus for his glory and, and believers good. Uh, and so there's times where we can get hit that through our sermons. But, man, I, I just think churches, if they just stick to the word, and the message would be the same. And they'd spend more time talking about the glory of God and the exaltation of Christ and less about the virus yeah. and, and things going on around them. I think that that's what people that in our communities, that's what people that don't get that people that don't care about church. They're starting to look at the church. They're starting to look to the church. Right. So, you know, this is kind of freaking me out. I, I kind of talked about it being like nine 11. You know, after 9-11, the churches, the buildings were full. Yes. And it, it, they remained that way for a while, and then people just went back to their old ways, most of them, right? So I think you got a lot of people right now that are looking. And, and what better place to look and find than on, when you're scrolling Facebook, well, here's another church, here's another church. Well, when they come across Nose Hair Joe preaching like this, you know, with his phone here looking up <laughs> – or they come across somebody like you standing there. I know you got the TV there, the monitor there yes. with the graphics on there. And they, they may say, okay, this is kind of, this, this looks cool. Let me check on, let me check this guy. Well, when they click on you, not only are they not seeing your nose hairs, they're not seeing something not so crazy. <laughs> they're not seeing some crazy looking, you know, thing or production. They're seeing you in your element and they're going to hear what they need to hear. They're going to hear the word of God, right? They're not going to, their fears of this pandemic are not going to be fueled by what you're preaching. If anything, they'll be, Oh wow. You know, there is a God that is sovereign over this that already knew this was coming. 
they're going to hear these things. They're going to hear the word of God like they need to hear. And that's why I think what we need, when we need to think through doing these things is, is what, like you said, if our neighbors in the cul-de-sac that don't go to church, we're having a barbecue and they're all of a sudden like, man, step up and, and preach something. Give us a word. Yes. You know, we need to have that mentality when we're getting behind these cameras and putting our best foot forward. Now I'm not all about production and, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to sacrifice content on the altar of a production and, and aesthetics, but I think there should be a level of that that goes hand in hand with the message and the message is the glory of God and, and the exaltation of Christ. And mm-hmm. well, what I'm hearing you say, and Stephen, and it's, it's a phrase that, that I'm using a lot here lately is that, you know, we need to stay in our lane. It's pastors. We need to stay in our lane. And recently I'm just blown away by the number of pastors who think they're subject matter experts in other areas. And they're my brothers. And, and certainly I, I love them, but suddenly they've become experts in jurisprudence. They've become experts. I mean, you would think they're epidemiologists all of a sudden. It's like, guys, that's not our lane. Certainly we need to come along and shepherd the flock. And that means that we need to be well-read. I get, I get that. But it also means that we do so with humility, recognizing that's not my lane. Okay, uh, politics, not my lane. You know, medical issues, not my lane. Uh, legal issues would be my lane, nonetheless, <laughs> pastor first. So uh, it, it's funny because I don't even bring that stuff up because I'm, I'm called to be a pastor. So I, that's where I focus. That's where my heart is, my passion, my drive. And I'm frustrated, Stephen, because I, I think you hit on something. Certainly we would agree that any pastor... Uh, who feels led should address the issue from a biblical standpoint. I think a biblical worldview informs our politics. A biblical worldview informs our understanding of, of, of issues like this. The, it's, it's, it's somewhat of a pandemic and somewhat of pandemonium. I think it's the two. It's, it's a combination, a weird combination. What percentage where they meet, I don't know, because that's not my lane. <laughs> I'm not a sociologist and I'm, a, and I'm not epidemiologist. Okay, so I'm, I'm neither. I'm a pastor. And as such, I, I agree with you that, that we need to stay on message. God is sovereign. Jesus is the answer. Also want to be careful that we've got to be able to say the bad and the good. And I think you get some folks in the name it, claim it crowd who, who, are, who, are, who are saying things like, well, I have dominion over this. And, and then next thing you know, someone in their church is sick or they, they've made an unwise decision. And, and now, now the world is, is looking at the church as, as if we're foolish, as, as if uh, they... Uh, how how ignorant, and, and I think it brings disrepute on the gospel. So I appreciate you saying, let, you know, let's stay in our lane right now, because the lane that we were driving in prior to this is the lane we'll be driving in afterwards. Uh, and 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 just because, and, and then I want to say this as a word of correction to pastors, right now is a perfect opportunity to evangelize and encourage and equip people, Okay. It's not an opportunity for us to speak out of line or out of turn. And I think that that does damage. The image of a pastor prior to this is basically kind of the friar tuck type, you know, he's goofy, silly, um, you know, you really can't, you don't really know a lot, uh, you know, he's loving guy, that kind of thing, you know, he'll pray for you. And I, I've always pushed back against that image. Certainly we pray for people, we encourage people, 
but, but we stand confidently and boldly and preach the word of God. We give people answers for life, not just this life, but for eternal life. And so we, I feel like pastors should be competent, qualified men or passionate. But we look foolish when we step outside of our lane. I think we'd be better served to hone our skills in our lane, which is preaching the word of God. Hone our skills there because when this is all said and done, nobody's calling us, going to ask us questions uh, about the uh, civil liberties or, you know, what social distancing should and shouldn't look like. At some point, whatever that new norm is, we're going we're gonna to still be in our lane. I think this is a great opportunity to hone our skills. You mentioned that what people see is what they should should get. There should be some truth in the branding right now so that we're not over-promising and we're also not turning people off when they come to the church. Let's talk about social media and, and the impact we're having. I'm hearing Pastor Stephen say, hey, we, we had over 7,000 views on some different material we put out over the past month, and I really feel like there's a misunderstanding what a view is on social media versus someone sitting and listening to your sermon. Jump in there. Help me understand. If I call you up, Steve, and say, man, I posted my, my sermon. Oh, it was great. I got 10 views, but all 10 people watched the entire sermon. And then somebody else calls and says, I got 10,000 views. The average watch time was a minute and a half. Let's talk about that. Yeah, those views can be both an encouragement but at the same time, it can be very damaging because we can see oh, 10,000 views on this one sermon, right? And like you said, that could be anywhere from, so somebody had mentioned that on Facebook, you know, if somebody's doing a video and it's playing, then if it's on, if it's stuck right there for three seconds, not even clicked on, but three seconds, mm -hmm. then that counts as a view, right? So you could just scroll and stop for a second and look and then boom, scroll right on up and you've got a view. And yeah. another and they stack on top of each other well while that can be an encouragement but if they're only watching you for three seconds to a minute and a half or listening to your message then those numbers are just skewed numbers that really don't mean anything so, so you, you wouldn't feel encouraged on sunday morning if if people were walking through the sanctuary for just three seconds at a time you wouldn't be encouraged by that you know if you had seven thousand people who just stopped in for three seconds of your 30 minute sermon nope <laughs> nope not at all. <laughs> you wouldn't brag However, about that? I, I mean, you wouldn't call me and say, TJ, you won't believe us. We had 10,000 people walk through Sunday morning during my 30-minute sermon for three seconds each. I'd have our guys uh, make sure they lock the doors behind all these people <laughs> so they couldn't get out, and they'd be yeah. forced to hear it. So then I would say, we had 10,000 people here. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think that pastors are getting way too excited over views. Now – they are getting, and sadly, I see a lot of them in different Facebook groups I'm in. I'm seeing a lot of them getting so excited over views, more excited over those views than they are of the message they're preaching. Mm. I see that as damaging. Mm. Also, what I see as damaging is all these views, these churches could say, well, my goodness, we're reaching more people online than we are in the physical gathering of the body. So why don't we just move the majority of our stuff, if not all, to an online platform. Matter of fact, there is a pastor that uh, he was in uh, Washington, I believe, had a few campuses. I think he took the, the church over after his dad passed away and he preached for several years. And now he's got what he's calling church home. And that's what it is. You, 
it's just church online. That's his church, right? And they're even doing virtual conferences where you pay like you would to go to a physical conference and you pay that money. And then you've got pastors that are coming on virtually doing these conferences. So, uh, and that's being pushed. Like I've never subscribed to this thing. I've never looked into it. I've just kind of heard about it through different platforms. Now I'm getting emails once or twice a week about church home and subscribe to this. And, and I'm getting ads on my Facebook. I'm like, I, I knew this guy. I mean, I didn't know him, but I've heard him preach before in his physical gathering, but he's moved everything online. So I fear that a lot of pastors and, and elders and church leaders are going to see, well, look at all these views. Look at the people we're reaching. Let's just do what Judah's doing over in wherever he is now. And let's just move everything online and have an online ministry. And again, that's going to do what we're saying should not be done and eliminate the physical gathering as a whole and move everything online because that's the way our world is today. Yeah, Everything's online. Healthy, If you think about it, uh, certainly uh, I don't think either one of us would fault anyone for using the online venue to evangelize and encourage and equip if it's a tool, but nothing. And, and I, I honestly, I believe the majority of pastors would agree with this across the spectrum of the theological issues the majority of pastors would agree that you cannot replace that physical local gathering there's just something about it and here's what a point i want to make and i think this is going to be this is extremely important when the church is persecuted it costs you something to be there and the fact that it costs you something to be there is an encouragement to the person next to you. Now, the virtual church would grant you access to hearing the gospel, but we would also acknowledge that living out the gospel means that it's going to cost us something at some point, more than likely, at least it has many over history and throughout the world. In fact, I remember when I was in Indonesia, there was a particular island we were, we were on, and the island, uh, I believe it was Ternate, and I think it was like 60,000 Muslims and uh, Indonesia's got the largest Muslim population in the world. And so we we're in the Northern Maluku Islands, an island called Ternate. And I think there were maybe 600 Christians, according to statistics, on the island. And many of them claimed that they were from another island to differentiate themselves, I think, because of some of the tensions that existed. And when we went to church on, on a Sunday morning while we were on the island, and there were probably three or 400 believers in this church. From understand, there were only two churches on the entire island. And out front of it was a big rooster, a statue of a big rooster. And I thought for the longest time, I did not know this, but the rooster was actually the symbol of the Reformation, uh, like a, a new day dawning was the idea. I didn't know that at the time, which I'm kind of glad I didn't because it probably would have ruined this for me. So I saw the rooster and I started asking, why is that, why is that there? Why is that in the front of the yard? I mean, why, why don't we have a big cross out here? You know, why the rooster? And, and somebody in my group told me that's to remind them when they leave here not to go out and deny Christ like Peter did. That was, I mean, that was perfect. Uh -huh. that's, that's not the point of the statue. But, it, but I, at the moment, while I was there, I was like, okay, it's going to cost you, potentially cost you something to come here and to gather here. And this is a reminder, don't go out and deny it. Now, to me, I'm this, that's what the rooster stood for, okay? Because it worked that day for me. So, yeah, Stephen, I think we would agree, and I believe most pastors would agree with us, that the virtual thing is a tool, 
Maybe it's a temporary tool for some of us. Maybe it's a long-term tool for others. I think that's for each pastor and church to decide. But I don't know that anything's going to replace. It's just not possible. Let me ask you this. Here's what I'd ask a pastor. So how about virtual marriages? Mm. I mean, is that is that going to work? <laughs> I don't I don't I mean we see the church as the bride of Christ and certainly we don't you know I don't want to go too far obviously there's some unique dynamics here within the, the marriage relationship but I to be honest with you I'm not having a virtual marriage with my wife you know yeah. <laughs> and then, you know think about it I mean that's how God designed us right to be together to be in one place you know let me throw this out to you Stephen while we're talking about the gatherings because the virtual gathering will never replace the gathering of the saints physically. When we get to gather again, let's talk about how important a gathering is and how unimportant and how maybe we need to throw off some of the gimmicks. <laughs> I really feel like for a long time, brother, the church, and maybe I've been guilty of it, maybe you have, maybe others, to being gimmicky, and now I'm like, I don't want a gimmick. I don't even care if it's it's like semi-disorganized. Let's just all be together in a building and singing and hearing the preaching. Let's talk about that a little bit, uh, kind of throwing off the gimmicks and just that pure, authentic gathering again. So I think with the gimmicks, you miss a lot of what God has called us to as, as, as believers and especially as the church. For instance, I, I just have my Bible open here to Colossians 3.16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So when I read something like that, when you uh, just say teach and admonish, you can't admonish somebody really from virtual church or even in a gimmicky church. Right, because people are not going to want to stand for being admonished, right? Did we freeze? Yeah, you you froze for a second. I'm not sure. It looks like uh, it says my internet. Should...